Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hop in my car, throw away the rear view. So much in my life I gotta stay through. If you feel me, you know that I feel you. Foot on the gas, I'ma ride down the road, let's travel. I'ma ride down the road, let's travel. Yeah. On your mark, get set, let's set it off. Started with a dream, a small kid from Renaissance. Got a lot of stress. I need to get it off. Never going What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Think Go Podcast. I am your host, Ivy Frempong. 23 years old and a recent graduate from the University of Rhode Island where I majored in communications while playing Division I football. During my time in college, I decided to be more than just an athlete and embark on a personal growth journey. Well, this journey involved me taking a step in my faith while getting baptized and growing physically, emotionally, and spiritually. During this process, I thought it would be a good idea to interview some of the most inspiring people in my life. Then I started to think even bigger and I said, why not interview some of the most inspiring people in the world? My hope is to take these stories and lessons from the people I bring on the podcast and apply it to my own personal life. In doing so, I also hope whoever is listening to this can also apply it to theirs. Podcasting is my passion and asking the right questions is my gift. I will leave you with two quotes here. One, the power to question is the basis of all human progress. Number two, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? Martin Luther King. God bless you guys, and welcome to Think Gold. Today on the podcast, we bring on Providence, Rhode Island native, John Hope. He is an artist, an entrepreneur, media personality, educator, and thought leader. He's a two-time graduate from Rhode Island College, yes, at two times, and has dedicated his life to giving back to his community. He brings a unique, unique perspective to the world, stating, in quote, I've been locked up, but I have a master's degree in education leadership, which goes without saying the type of depth this guy contains. Grammy award-winning producer Bongo, by the way, states that Hope is one of the most authentic artists I've ever worked with. He has the ability to make the industry come to him and his world. He is also the founder of Zane Butler Media Group and the Hope Scholars Initiative. He is also currently working on a seven-studio album and his new Netflix docu-series, Deeper Than Rap, which will be out at the end of next year. His music speaks his truth, and he has truly taken a road less traveled. We bring on none other than Harrison Grisby, Grigsby, a.k.a. John Hope. Appreciate you coming on, sir. Hey man, thank you, thank you, man. What up? What up? What up? What oh, up? Man. <laughs> and then joining us, we have Montana Forselli. So Montana has been one of my close friends. He's killing in the media space. I mean, he knows everybody and anybody in Rhode Island. You can't even go to the grocery store with without someone uh, saying hi to Mo. So he's a celebrity <laughs> in his own right. Um, yes, so he's going to be joining me, asking some questions alongside me to uh, to Mister John Hope. But Mo, give give yourself an introduction about who you are and kind of, and I, I guess what you're doing right now. And you know, uh, my name is Montana Fuselli, uh, Ivory's former roommate, uh, teammate at the University of Rhode Island. We played football together. Uh, currently, going to be graduating from the University of Rhode Island in May. Uh, right now, I'm an intern at 
CBS affiliate in Providence, WPRI 12 uh, as a sports producer. And uh, I'm soon moving to the West Coast city, Los Angeles, uh, to pursue a uh, pursue a dream, a dream in, in film and television. One day, I'd like to, you know, write some amazing films and and give people some a uh, some comfortability at home when they're watching TV and, and mm. give them some something meaningful. Amen. So, Mo, how did you meet Mr. Hope, and why? Was he somebody that you had to tell me about to bring onto the podcast? Why Why was he someone that stuck out to come on a Think Old podcast? Well, I know John. I knew John well before John even knew who I was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my brother and John met at a studio in Providence um, probably like 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more than that now. And uh, my brother's an audio engineer, kind of still making his way up. Um, he was, you know, just leaving Rhode Island at that point, And he ran into John at a studio and kind of worked together. Just, I don't even know if you guys really collaborated, but more just working side by side, doing your own respective things at that point. And, um, my brother kind of showed me the, uh, the road less traveled video. That was right when it came out. And I was like, uh, you know what I mean? It was just like that boppy song. I mean, I was like 10 years old, 11 years old. So I was <laughs> bopping around to it and stuff. I was like, yeah, it's good. But as I got a little bit older um, and I started to listen to a little bit more of John's music, he became a little bit more relevant to my life. Um, his music spoke to me and his music about the people of Rhode Island and the city of Providence. And you can relate to it, especially being from the area. Mm-hmm. And John has done much more than music. So I asked him to come in and speak to my, uh, my class at the university of Rhode Island. He came in, gave an amazing, gave an amazing presentation about his life, but also his, his work you know, from the standpoint of music, from the standpoint of education and just, you know, trying to help us understand our own journeys. I think that's the biggest part. And, and mm. you know, before you can really do anything for other people, you have to understand yourself and what you're made of and all the elements that really create you and make you who you are. So, uh, you know, Ivory, I just know that this podcast is really based around that, telling you know, the power of yeah. testimony and and the power of being who you are and sharing that with others so that they can learn mm. from you. So I just think that John John is an amazing story and I want him to come on here and share it. So just excited. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So so John, like one of the reasons why I started Think Gold, right? Is because for me, hearing podcasts and 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 learning from others um has played such a role in my life, right? You know, I was someone who grew up without a father figure in my life. And really, football was the only mentorship that I had. Right. And I think it's so important to be able to continue to learn from people like yourself. Right. And I think it's it's if you can't surround yourself around uh, if there's not amazing people in your circle. What do you do? You go out and find them. Right. So this is me coming out and finding those people. So I, I'm so happy to learn from you. Um, so there's really so many different places we could take this episode. But I want to spend this time on a podcast to really understand your journey and the obstacles you had to overcome to be who you are now. So first off, where does the name John Hope come from? Yeah, yeah, man. Um, Appreciate all the words, man. Um, So the name John Hope comes from um, it's a it's a funny story, to be quite honest, man. I wish I had something deep and eloquent to, to, to share. But what what it was, was. Growing up in my neighborhood, um, a lot of people, you know, everybody called me Jeezy, you know, like that was that was my that was my nickname just before rap, 
that was, you know, my birth name is is Harry. So people will call me Harry Jeezy. And then they just took Harry off. Um, ironically enough, I went to URI my freshman year. I played, I played, um, I played on the basketball team. And uh yeah, everybody just called me Jeezy, right? Mm. So I started rapping and I just kept the 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 name. But uh what happened was there was a dude out of Atlanta coming with, with 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 this whole wave and my man called me up and he was like yo there's this cat named Jeezy young Jeezy that's coming out you're gonna have to change your shit you know what I'm saying and um I was like man whatever man and lo and behold Jeezy came out um and, and so I changed it um and so when I changed it I wanted to do something I wanted to have a name that would um exist in multiple spaces mm-hmm. um you know, um, I did. I, I do have aspirations uh, as an actor. I had a little bit of a theater background. Um, and so I was just looking at like Tom Cruise and, and, and Brad Pitt. And they had those are their stage names. And it's two syllables. You know what I mean? Even Jamie Foxx, who I'm extremely inspired by, you know, um, that's not his stage name. Um, um, but he had but but it, it existed in multiple spaces. So I was like, yo. I'm naturally a positive dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time when I was coming out, Rhode Island really, you, you didn't see the 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 talent pool like it is now. You know, I was really like waving the flag, you know, as, as a Rhode Island hip hop artist. You just didn't really, that didn't really exist. You know what I mean? Um, to the level that I wanted to take it. Um, and so hip hope is the state model for Rhode Island. And mm-hmm. I just... I was like, yo, John Hope, it just has, you know, it has a ring to it, two names, mm. two syllables. Um, and I ain't looked back ever since, you know what I mean? And even as my career has morphed, you know, um, you know, in the acting space, John Hope, music, John Hope, you know, educator, John Hope, like, you know what I mean? It just, it's just not too much of a, you know, like when you see like Donald Glover and, uh, you know, what's, what's his, Childish uh, Gambino. Childish Gambino, you know what yeah. I mean? There's a little bit of a of 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 a of a of a transition that needs to take place. You know what I'm saying? Mm. For me, it's just like John Hope, yo, hope, yo, hope, hope, you know, that's it. That is a very intelligent move to make as an artist to be thinking uh, yeah. of not locking yourself in the name of like a young hope or like a <laughs> right, <laughs> like a young Jeezy, right? Like you pick something thinking about the future. And I want to dive into that later, right? And dive into, like you said being able to exist in multiple spaces. I feel like that's you in a nutshell, but I yeah. want to first start off with like giving the audience and me and Montana a basis of, you know, how you got here. Right. So what was it like growing up in Providence, Rhode Island? You know, talk to me about just, you know, the trials and tribulations that you overcame just as a young, young kid trying to get here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, growing up in Providence, man, it was, um, it was very colorful. I think colorful is 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 the is the adjective that I'm going to use to describe it. Um, you know, there's Providence that's sort of Providence in Rhode Island that's very. Uh, it's almost like the tale of two two stories or two experiences because the Providence that gets you know publicized and advertised. You have your Federal Hill, um, a, a lot of restaurants. Um, you know, you have the water fire and then, you know, when you think about Rhode Island as a whole, Newport tends to, 
dominate. You know what I mean? You got Newport. It's very, you know, a tourist um, attraction. Um, don't really have any uh, pro sports teams. So we kind of tend to gravitate towards Boston, the Red Sox, the Friars, you know, even URI to some degree. Um, where I come from is a little bit, then you have the inner city, you know, and the inner city, um, like many other inner cities, um, you know, there's, there's, we were, and when I say we, I, I mean, my family, the community that I come from, we were very wealthy in spirit, you know, mm. very wealthy and rich in spirit, um, you know, to the point where we didn't really know that we were like, broke you know what i mean like we didn't really know that you know there was so much normalized things within the culture that you know i, I didn't realize what was going on until after i was out of survival mode you mm -hmm. know but when i was like in it you know it was just like you know i grew up in low-income housing you know what i mean um i grew up on the north end right outside of providence college um and i grew up in this uh housing complex called arbor glen and Arbor Glen, um, I wouldn't say it was like Compton or like there was like gang stuff, but it was like all the uh, characteristics that come with living in, you know, a low income, low yep. uh, socioeconomical environment. You know what I mean? Where they, it wasn't like menace to society, but like there were elements of it. You know what I mean? Um, I lost people. Um, uh, there were we were all poor, you know, me and my cousin. My cousins, um, my friends, um, we just we just shared a lot, you know, we sharing clothes and things of that nature. But again, all that stuff wasn't really um, we didn't really know what was going on. What mm -hmm. I will say, looking back, is just um, just how much of survival mode we were in. A lot of my friends, you know, I jumped off the porch early, early, like 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 I was outside, man, like. <laughs> 10, 10, 9, 10 years old, 9, 10 years old, me and my guys, you know, just roaming the streets, wasn't doing anything um, illegal, you know, we weren't selling drugs or anything like that, but just more of a heightened awareness, we were really mm. forced to live quick, you know, um, I was I was forced to grow up, like a lot of my friends, um, you know, they would have, they would occupy full on apartments, age 10, you know what I'm saying? Like no mom, no dad. Like we just like, like it was like a trap house without the trap. You know what I mean? Hmm. We just y'all had, had Kool Aid and Scooby Doo on, and y'all were just yeah, it you on know what I'm saying? Just chilling. <laughs> you know, playing video games. Yeah. You know what I'm saying it'd be like five of us: me, Garrison, Rod, June, TJ. You know what I'm saying? Just some, some. You know. Just vibing up, vibing yeah, up. Dirty African, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we just wilding out, man. You know what I'm saying? We just, we just, you know, what you know, talking amongst our friends about like, you know, yo, yo, did you hear that Biggie record? Whatever, whatever. Then we go to the corner store. We might go to the corner store, get some, you know, quarter waters or whatever. So it was just hood living, but nothing. I'm a parent now. Nothing that I would do for my daughter. Like I would never leave my daughter home alone. You know, I was out, I was home alone at five years old. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like just, just my mother, you know, and my mother was a great woman, but she had to make like, you know, chance. She had to take chance. 
Yeah. She had to go to work. So she mm-hmm. would leave me. She'd be like, yo, don't open the door. Don't pick up the phone. Anybody knock on the door. Don't, and, and that's all I knew. You know what I'm saying? Then yeah. I come outside or whatever. So it was just more or less like um, it was living, but in heavy survival mode. That's that's kind of how I would how I would articulate coming up in Providence. Um, there was a lot of uh feuding. Um, and what I mean, it was very segregated, not how not like how it is now. Everybody's kind of a little bit more together. But, you know, growing up, you know, I'm from the north end. You got north end, south side, west end, um, east side, you know, and there's like generational beefs. You know what I'm saying? We didn't have no gangs. You know, I don't know where you from, but we didn't have no gangs or anything like that. But we had, yo, east side, south side. They beefing, you know what I mean? Where I'm from, there's another project, housing project called Chad Brown that's notorious, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, just just heavily stricken, you know, there's some beautiful people that come from there, um, but just, it's just, it has a reputation, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So Chad and Eastside is beefing and they like right up the street. So going to school, you know, I was very fortunate enough, I was a, I was a basketball player, I went to school in another town called Pawtucket. So I had to take like three buses and what there was a centralized location, a hub called Kennedy Plaza. So I'm going to Kennedy Plaza. And if you know anything about Kennedy Plaza during that time, after school, it was active, lit. Like, like, like you, you know what I'm saying? You could, you trying to get home, but you might see somebody get jumped. You know what I'm saying? Get stomped out or whatever because of the beefs. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They had to they had to actually restructure Kennedy Plaza and make the bus stops, you know, separate because of that feuding. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it was like, you know, you got to worry about math homework, but also, you know, worry about if someone's going to, you know what I'm saying? If yeah. it was was up you know what i'm saying yeah so so that type of heightened awareness Hmm. that those survival instincts that was normalized like that wasn't we weren't even thinking about like all right yo it was just kind of like all right you see them dudes over there you know what what it is oh all right they over here i'm gonna make sure i'm gonna catch the (laughs) the 330 bus (laughs) and i'm gonna wait a little bit longer you know that type of stuff you know, so I would say it was we were wealthy in spirit because there were some amazing times, but we knew of what was looming around us. We mm. were very aware there was heightened senses. So that it, it was just that balance that you had to that you were walking with, that you were breathing with that, you know, yeah. every single day. You know what I'm saying? It was mm. it was very it was very much that type of balance. You know what I'm saying? Mm. There's so much to comment off what you just said, John. One being that when you talk about that struggle and, and the beauty in the struggle is when it's around you, you don't know anything else, right? So it's almost like you, um, it's almost like, like you said, it's, it's, a, it's normalized to you, right? And I also feel like what I think on hindsight 2020 is you don't realize the effects that has on you until you get older, right? As I'm sure you're like, mm, man, this actually kind of messed me up in the head a little bit, right? Because uh, it's actually not normal, right? Yeah. Um, and then, and then, secondly, I know you keep saying that you're from Rhode Island, but correct me if I'm wrong. You were born in in Africa, correct? No, my, I was born in Rhode Island, but my parents are from. Okay, so first generation. Gotcha. I was just wondering, what challenges did you face as having parents that are straight from? 
um, from Africa, right? Yeah. You got kids, parents have been in America for some time, and then they probably looking at you a little differently. What what experiences did you have with that, if any? Yeah, man, that's a very good question, man. Because there, there was there was because in the household, you know, my mother would be like, "Yo, man, I ain't like them Americans, man. You ain't coming here with that bullshit." Like, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? For real, like she wasn't she wasn't with none of that. Like me listening to hip hop, you know, she was very much a proud. Um, West African, you know, like even to this day, like she, she, she overdoes it now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, she's just like, I don't know. I'm African, man. So I ain't with all that. You know what I mean? It's like, mom, I'm just asking you to check the mail. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so she would, she would say some shit like that. You know what I'm saying? But you know, um, what it did was it, 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 it showed me because I was raised in an environment like a black American, but I would see and receive backlash you know what I mean so there was times where I didn't feel really fit like feel like I was fitting in like I would get you know African booty scratch or I would come to school with um let's say cassava leaf or jollof rice and my friends my black American friends um not even just my white counterparts they'd be like yo what's that green shit you eating you know what I'm saying you know I talk about it on a record called African Boy on my last album you know, they be like, man, what you eating? What's that? What's that? You know what I'm saying? That smells or like, why you, you know, there was so much self-hate. Mm. Uh, now it's cool to be African. You know, you got Burner Boy, you got Afro Beats. It's cool. Back then, you know, there was so much self-hate that I was um, internalizing about my complexion, you know, being dark skinned. Um, I didn't really even embrace my middle name. My middle name um, is Mondubu. And mm. like I would tell people my name is Michael. You know what I'm saying? So there was a lot of self-hate that I had to endure and I didn't really, and it really channeled in um, my relationships, you know, my sense of blackness, you know what I'm mm. saying? Um, wow. Where I landed on the diaspora, you know what I mean? Because we're talking about two different experiences, black Americans and then there's, you know, your native Africans and, and, my, and my mom, you know, I didn't really live with my father. My father wasn't in the picture, but my mother you know it she stressed that and i remember one time yo i ran away from school because on fridays we had to wear gym clothes we we could we could wear we i went to a private school so we could wear like gym clothes you know what i'm saying and my mother tried to make me wear some african like garb, like you know what I'm saying, like some dashiki type, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm like, nah. Hey, no way. I'm like, no you know way. I'm, I'm like nine, ten years old, a lot of self-hatred, you know what I'm saying? Because of the messaging that I'm receiving about Africans, you know, bugs on their face and you know what I'm saying, swinging from trees, just a lot of ignorant, um, very limiting messaging. So I'm internalizing this. My mom wants me to wear this gold, bright. You know, now I would wear it because it's beautiful. You know what I'm saying? But at the time, I'm just giving you my mind state. Mm. I was like, hell no. So I faked like I was coming into school and I ran, I, I, I walked back to the hood. I went from Pawtucket and I'm talking like the end of Pawtucket, like Attleboro to like Providence College, basically. I'm giving you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm talking about yo, that's a hike. A hike, yo. The whole everybody's like, yo, where's hope at? Yo, my mother's going crazy. I'm on the I'm, I'm in the hood. I'm I'm like, man, I ain't finna wear this shit. You know what I'm saying? So that's the type, that's the level of self-hatred that I have. Now mm -hmm. I know I'm beautiful. I know you know who uh, I am. You know what I'm saying? But in that time growing up, 
that's the type of things that I would experience. And I feel that I actually really do feel that because I'm I'm half Korean, half Ghanaian, right? And mm, okay, and but really, I was like I told you, my my dad wasn't in my picture as well, so I was really raised by my Korean side of my family, right? Oh, okay. So when you talk about colorism and perception and how your friends, I remember like going to school and my grandma, I mean, my grandma straight from Korea, right? Yeah. I'd be embarrassed to like be by her when I was a little kid. Right. And right. it came from ignorance from myself. Um, but now I'm like, girl, like let's go grandma. Like, I don't yeah. get, I don't care. I think it's the most beautiful thing ever now. Behind that, as a kid, man, all I cared about was what people would think about me, what my friends would think about me, because you just want to fit in so bad. Right. Um, so now I feel that. I feel that, man. With you, bro. <laughs> I feel that. We're going to spend on it a little bit later, but I want to really shift gears here and talk about like that mindset, because you quoted, I don't know if this was a song or an article, but you quoted, I got honors, but got kicked out of seventh grade. Yeah. I've been locked up but have a master's degree in education that sums up the type of kid I was. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I just read that, I'm like, man, so it's not that you're dumb. Right. And it's not that you're a bad kid, but what, what is that? Like, what was that balance that you're speaking on right there? Man, it was, it was, it was looking back, man. I was just very, very, um, I think I was trying to, I was dealing with a lot of abandonment and instability um, because I lived in foster care too, you know, mm-hmm. I lived, I was in foster care for a little bit, not a long time, but just enough to know how it impacted and like that, that, that I, I look at my life and I know I could point to that. I was forever changed. Mm-hmm. I was forever changed when I lived in foster care. I lived in a few homes, you know what I'm saying? And, um, I think people didn't know what to do with me because I, I had all this experience. I was I, I, like, not just smart. Like I was very smart, like very, like I was get like high honors, but I was like fighting, you know, and I was resisting authority um, because I, I, I just didn't love myself. I didn't love myself looking back. I didn't, I didn't trust people. So I built up a wall and a barrier Um I I I I I didn't trust myself, so I was leaning in on what I thought was cool, what I thought I needed to be, hmm. you know. Um, but I think the instability, I just you know, I, I'm telling you, I was I was I was raised, I like five or six families, you know what I'm saying? Hmm. Like just just like. I would live with this group of people for X amount of time. I would always spend, then I would spend weekends at this family's house. Like my mother had to work. So I I had all these different experiences that I think maybe confused me. You know, I was confused. I didn't, I I, I don't, I didn't know what was real. You know what Mm. I'm saying? And and so I lashed out, you know, I Mm. lashed out, um, Again, I wasn't I wasn't a kid that was like I wasn't wilding out and 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 you know I was just angry. I, I mm-hmm. like I was angry. I had this internalized anger and this and um and this um I didn't love myself the way I love myself now, and that played out mm-hmm. in the different ways um, that I was living, man. You know, uh, 
I just, I, I just, I, I just, I think that's just where that comes from, the inconsistencies in my life. And so I had a, a, a level of distrust for myself and others that, mm. that, that manifested, you know, in my behavior. Man. Now, when you were bouncing around in foster care, you know, different homes, were you just in Providence or like that Providence, Pawtucket area? Were you going all over the state? No, I was in the Providence, Pawtucket area. So what happened was when they take you away, um, at, um, they try to put you in what they call next of kin. Um, okay. um, so my brother and sister, they have the same father. Um, we don't have the same father. So they got the same mother and father, you know what I'm saying? So they went with they they went with their father to live. I didn't, my father wasn't around. So they put me at first, they put me with some white people on the east side, like in this like really rich, you know what I mean? And and that was a culture shock because I'm coming from a, di- a whole different, you know what I'm saying? So I remember like being at the table and they talking about the salad fork and all that. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm trying to eat. What the hell? You you know what I'm saying? Like it, it just didn't yeah. So I was I remember being there and then um I went to uh a, another home like real quick and then I went to my brother and sister's father. I went to go live with them, but like he, you know, God bless his soul, he's dead, but he wasn't fucking with me. Like he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't really, you know, he you know, he just didn't, you know, I wasn't his child. You know what I'm saying? I remember Christmas. Mm-hmm. He he's getting his kids everything and he ain't getting me shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? he's like, yo, that ain't my son. You know what I'm saying? So he took me kind of reluctantly and that manifested in the woman that he was dating at the time. You know, his wife, he, um, you know, she tried to poison me. You know, she would poison, put stuff in my food. I remember she put stuff in my food and, um, and, 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 and then I left there and I went into a group home. And when I went into mm-hmm. the group home, that's when I really, it, it was active. You know what I'm saying? I came in there like, like you, it was a group home where it was like ranging from like a five-year-old to like, I think, you know, I was so young. He looked like he was like 50 years old. This guy named Fred, you know what I'm saying? But it was like a grown mm-hmm. man. Like, so you, you, you in bunk beds with like all kinds of different people. It was like nine of us, you know what I'm saying? Like you, and I came in that bitch crying. Like, like I want my mother, like I was crying. And man, that's the first time, you know, I saw death. You know, I saw death at an early age. One of my foster brothers, his mother got killed. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I saw, that's when everything just really got crazy Mm -hmm. and I got kicked out. I I remember I got kicked out of Holy Name School on the east side. What happened was the very last day I got honors. uh, Mr. Bruno brought me in. He said, he said, you did very well this year. He was just like, um, he was like, we would recommend that you don't come back for the eighth grade. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, uh, all right. And that was it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Just like that. As a kid oh. too, man. Like as a kid, like you're not as even a kid. Like, yeah. yeah. My crazy. mother wasn't there. There was, he didn't, he, there was, he just brought me in the office and was like, yeah, we recommend that you don't come back. I was like, wow. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Got you. So, so that's that's crazy. And I think wow. I, just, I start thinking about like I'm a very spiritual, faithful person, right? And I feel like that has definitely made you who you are, without a doubt, right? Like that has oh, added yeah. something to you that's nobody else can relate to, but but you. And that, yeah. um, but speaking of music, right? Because you're an artist, yeah. 
how did music come into the picture? And was that like the bridge to channel that that anger, that frustration? Yeah. Yeah, 1,000% hip-hop, man. 1,000%. That was the only constant in my life. Like, if I didn't have hip-hop, just artistry aside, just culturally, as a culture, as a as a, as a consumer, um, I, man, we would not be talking today, man. Like, hmm. hip-hop really saved my life in a way that nothing else did because it 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 gave me a connection and an outlet it it allowed me to see that other people are living this way because for the longest i thought it was just me like i mm. thought I, I thought i was i i really thought like i was like man like no one cares like you know what i'm saying like like and you know no one can identify with what i'm going through and then i started seeing other you know, some of my favorite artists growing up, like talking about some of their circumstances, um, um, really that introspection, like hip hop allowed me as a writer to look inward. And I was doing the work even before, you know, now we live in a world when you pick up the phone, TikTok, everything is hyper um, mental health driven and, you know, healing and, you know, yoga and, you, you know, drinking tea leaves and everything you know what i'm saying now yeah. i was doing that internal work i think through hip-hop mm. without even knowing and and it was a bridge um and it was something that i was honing as i got older um it was my secret and then it, it became a secret within the neighborhood and then it gave me the confidence to ultimately you know be in front of youtube brothers you know what i'm saying um, because I started seeing results. That's the only place that I did that did not let me down. That was the only place that was consistent wow. um, with 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 giving me, with nurturing me. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have a father, but Scarface was my dad. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, mm -hmm. or Beanie, Beanie Siegel. You know, even to this day, like Nipsey Hussle. You know, I, 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 that's that's my. Um, that's why where I get you know a, a good majority of my nourishment. Now I'm a little bit more versed in sound and you know diverse, and I could you know pull from things and also pull self soothe. But for the longest, it was hip hop that was raising me. Hmm. So I picture like when when somebody gets involved with the craft, for example, like football, right? And I just could relate it to my story of once you start realizing once you 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 start having fun with it, right? And then you get to a point where like it's actually something that you can have fun with and actually work on to get better. Right. Yeah. And then you start visualizing, oh, like, what could this look like later down the line? Did you start visualizing a future in music as a kid? Um, I I, or, or should I say, like, what did you, what did you want music to do to you? Big picture. You know, like what was its goal with music? Yeah, I think. I think from an artist standpoint, you know, the, the those aspirations didn't come till later on. But for me, it was more of a of a therapy of mm -hmm. a um I didn't I didn't really look at it as an artistry until I was in college. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't look at it like I was, you know, oh, I'm I'm gonna get on and you know what I mean? I like I had to get the confidence from my neighborhood, you know, people in 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 and where I grew up, they were like, yo, man, you nice, you dope. You know what I'm saying? So I think the aspirations that I did have um, was 
um, you know, I, I just wanted the world to hear my my message. I think I would, early on, I was driven by the fact that Rhode Island hadn't had, you know, um, for, you know, a, 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 a footprint in the hip hop landscape. You know what I mean? Um, you had, you know, Jeffrey Osborne, you had Blue Cantrell, you know, even John B is from Rhode Island. Um, but but from a hip hop perspective, you know, I think I was driven more so by that. Like I was like, man, there's a story that's not being told. You know what I'm saying? Like people are skipping over from us. You know what I'm saying? You, you it's New New York and then Boston. It's like, hold up, man. There's something to be said about, you know, from here. You know what I mean? And so when I saw Drake and when I saw like Asher Roth or Wiz Khalifa, you know, they're coming from spaces that, you know, Toronto, Pittsburgh, you, know, mm. you didn't hear about those spots. You know what I'm saying? Or even like Petey Pablo or Bone Thugs and Harmony. When I heard when Petey Pablo came out with North Carolina, I was like, oh, yo, I felt it because it came from a space that did wasn't was historically it was never there. Mm. Nelly with St. Louis, when Nelly came out. Say what you want, you know, it was cookie cutter or whatever. But I was like, yo, this is busting because I never heard anything from St. Louis. I never heard anything from Cleveland when I heard Bone Thugs and Harmony. So that's what drove me initially. And then afterwards, when, you know, when people started recognizing, I was like, okay, this that hope shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so real quick, real quick. I love how you bring up there's something in the middle between New York and Boston. So one of your songs in Camp Street Comside, you're like, Diamond in the rough between the Boston and New York. Yeah. yeah. And then you go on like the ghettos and mosaic. So you really tell that story. Yeah. Of man. that diamond in the rough. You've lived it and now you come from the, you know, the, the artistic side to really put the mosaic on blast. Yeah. Show the world what exactly was going on in the city. That's one thing that I think is very interesting. It's very conscious about your music is the fact that you, every single, you know, track tells a story. Every record tells a story. Whether it's you know the beat, the beat always matches the words, and the words always match the story. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. That that's all. All that is intentional, because mm -hmm. my thing is I want people to there. There are so many more stories that 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 exist in right. So I don't want to say that I'm the only story, but what I'm what I what my intention was was to open the window, open the door. Like, yo, mm -hmm. this, if you really want to know what it like, what it's like growing up in PVD or want to know what it's like culturally, you can start here, right? Camp Street and Comstock. Like, this is where it's at. Like, you know what I'm saying? Ivory, he said he ain't from here. You don't know, you know what I'm saying? All right, Camp Street yeah. and Comstock, bro. And that, that might be the seed planting moment to be like, oh, okay, what do I need to, what's what's on Camp Street? What's on Comstock Avenue? Oh, okay, I'm going to come, I'm going to pull up here or whatever. It, it sparks that interest. So that's where I was coming from with it. And the crazy part too, Camp Street and then Comstock Avenue are two opposite ends of the city. Two opposite ends of the city. Yo, you're, it's so funny like, because a lot of people, that when they, when, when that first, when that song first came out, people would be like, yo, I'm on Camp Street. Where's Comstock at? I'm like, oh, that's the South Side. Like, you know, earlier on, this discussion was telling you the feuding South Side and East Side. That's generation. That's my cousin died behind that. Like, that's that's before I was born. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So what I was speaking to was that culture. You know, Comstock Avenue is on the South Side. 
Tam Street is on the east side, you know, and I, what I was trying to say is we're all the same. You know, we're all, you know, Uncle Ripter, that's Kennedy Plaza. That's that's the that's the bus. That's the busing system. We all took the bus to get to school. We all connected and you know what I mean? So what are we beefing over? We beefing over turfs that we don't even own. You know what I mean? You know, like we're, we're all chasing the same thing. You know what I'm saying? We're trying to improve our quality of life. We, we, you know what I'm saying? Where we come from, <laughs> we chasing, we're running after that dream without socks on. So we'll, we'll, why are we beefing? You know what I'm saying? Mm. Well, the real op ain't me and you. The real op is the systems that have us in this condition. Mm. You know what I'm mm. saying? So really that's what Camp Street and Comstock is, is about. If you want to get that deep, but like, you know, on a surface level, it's just like, yo, this is what this is what it's like growing up. Like, on the corner of Camp Street and Comstock, niggas they chase dreams without socks. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. so you know that's that's that's. I'm glad you outlined that, man. That means a lot to me, man. Mm -hmm. Of course. When you talk about that road less traveling, I listen to that song. I, um, I kid you not. I I played that um yesterday morning. And I have probably played it like 25 times since then. Wow, my G. I and I even put it, I put it on my TV screen in the living room. And I told my girlfriend, I said, listen to this song right here. Listen to this oh. song. <laughs> and we're both bopping to it. And I said, I, I didn't know if it was released yesterday because I didn't look at the time. And I saw it was released, I think it was like maybe seven years ago or so. Nah, it just gives you longer than that. 2011. But it's a song that like could come out today. And yeah. still be a hit. That's the thing, right? Like it wasn't subject to time, but it also gave you just that, just that feeling, man. It gave yeah. you that feeling, like it gave right. you, man. It was like a, it's a that's an anthem song right there, man. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the fact that you put R H O D in that joint, Come right? On, man. Come on, man. Stop <laughs> playing with me, man. Um, but now, nah, so like with music, right? And I want to like stay on the path here. It's like okay, you realize that you can take this thing far, right? Now, where are you at? Like, what are, what are you doing to get there? Everything. Doing everything, man. Like, you know, man, I, 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 I grinded, man. You know, I would go to open mic showcases. I would, um, any, you know, during this time, you know, I, I come from the blog era, you know. So the blog era was really like the, the, the buffer between terrestrial radio and what you see now as the streaming era. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, your Spotify's and, you know, titles and things of that nature. So I came out, it was like to get your music on a, a high profile website, like twodopeboys.com or, you know, now it's like Lyrical Lemonade and things of that nature. But like to be on Two Dope Boys or like, you know, illroots.com, you know, was everything. And I was the first to like break through, you mm -hmm. know, I, I, you know, to be, you know, when you saw like, oh, snap, John Hope is on Two Dope Boys. Like that was huge. That was huge, you know. So I started getting my 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 notoriety and and the awareness up. Like, oh, okay, old boy from Providence, Rhode Island. Like there was such a curiosity because again, you hadn't really heard that story or that perspective, at, um, you know, in that arena. So you know, um, I got discovered by Static Selector, you know, legendary um, producer DJ. Static Selector, um, and I was on his early albums, and he took me on the road. You know, I remember meeting like Consequence and like DJ Premier, and like mm -hmm. you know, just these legends, man. Pete Rock, like in my home studio downstairs, like I got a picture with me and DJ Premier, 
and Pete Rock, you know, these guys, you know, did Illmatic for Nas, you know what I'm saying? So Pete Rock, Pete Rock, baby. Pete Rock's a legend, right? You know what I'm saying? And, and, you know, I had so many memories, but it was just like I was laying that brick down, you know, each brick, you know, and then I transitioned my mindset to one of, you know, trying to seek validation and, and get these DJs to play my record to I'm going to start my own thing. You know, mm. that, came, that came from Nip and his philosophy, the marathon philosophy, you know what I'm saying? So I started Zane Butler Media Group, you know, early. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just, I just knew that, you know, it was very like surface level. Like, yo, I'm going to just get an LLC and I'm a boss. You know what I'm saying? Not knowing that, boss. you know, <laughs> right. There's a lot of work that comes into it. But just the fact that I was being more independent minded, independent minded and taking ownership and control of my career. Um, you know, I, you know, I was so happy. The first <clears throat> first project I had put out independently was um a guy named harry and then savage savage beauty you know what i'm saying and um i was super excited about that you know what i'm saying because you know it came out when you, when you see the credits like zane butler like i was mm. it was up like you know what i mean um you know that journey you know it it it, it helped me and propelled me to know that i was enough like that was the beginning of self-validation, self-soothing, hmm. not caring about what the external validation was. I don't care what you think. I know I'm dope. I know I'm beautiful. I know I'm I'm him. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Like for real, for real. So that journey um, really was the, the launching pad. Um, so I knew that, again, I was seeing results now I just got to align myself with people that are going to pour into me, that are going to nurture the mindset that I have, because I think that's super important. You know, you talked mm. about looking for that greatness and, and whatnot, you know, looking, I was looking for that greatness, looking for like-minded people and looking for people that were sensitive to my growth and development. Hmm. Hmm. That's big time. Montana was telling me a story about yeah. how you had created, you know, on your way coming up to to being noticed that you had created an alias as your yeah. uh, as your agent, right? Can you touch yeah, on yeah. that story, man? Tell me about that because I think like yeah, when you talk sure. about hustle, bro, that's hustling right there. Yeah, so nah, DC. Sure. Yeah, my man DC, man, it's a funny story, man. So, so when I started out again, I was I was like self managing. I didn't really have anybody, but I knew that I knew that I wanted to be be beyond um, a local, you know, artist, if you will. Um, you know, I wanted to impact regionally, you know, I wanted to impact, you know, nationally. And I knew my music was good enough to be in XXL and The Source and, you know, on MTV and things of that nature, right? But I didn't know how to, you know, I was like, yo, man, who can I talk to? So I would go to these people who I thought had the juice and the sauce and they were denying me. They were like, uh, you know, I'll get back to you. You know, they weren't really responding or like they didn't get it. You know what I'm saying? So I decided I knew that I could write. Remember, I'm smart. I knew that I could write. I could type. I could articulate myself. And just optically, people respond when they feel like you have like a manager or like a, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. If you come by yourself, they're going to be like, ah, they, they sense struggle. You know what I'm saying? They sense, yeah. oh, he's 
struggling artist. He's, you know what I mean? Whatever. But when you're like, hey, you know, I my manager, I'm the manager and John Hope is my artist. It just has a different of a, a much more professional sentiment. So I created this email account called Dennis Carrington. And I would send these emails because I had the contacts. I, I would send emails to these publications. Hey, how you doing? My name is Dennis Carrington. I manage John Hope. Da 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 da. Check his music out. Here's my press kit. Whoopie whoop. And I, I got a hit. I got on Double XL. Like I, I, it was a, 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 a whole page spread. John Hope coming out of Providence. Da da da. Wow. With Jim Jones on the cover. So I'm like, oh, okay, word. Billboard magazine. Boom. They did a whole profile piece on me, interview. I'm like, oh, shit. So now at this time, you're going crazy with the aliens. You just sending off emails. <laughs> Damn. Damn. You know what I'm saying? Ham, my brother. So I'm, 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 I knew it was a law of averages. If I attempt at 60 emails, maybe... 20 to 30 are going to get back to me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm hitting everybody up. You know what I'm saying? And so I I, I routed a tour, a college tour, um, uh, 14 dates. I ended up booking Providence College, which ultimately transitioned into me being a host. You know what I'm saying? So even wow. the opportunities that came from that, you know, so DC, man. And then one time, you know, um, Providence College asked to meet Dennis Carrington. So I had my <laughs> man, yo, on guard, man. I had my man, Roger. My man, Roger, who's doing, he has a, a, a video company in Los Angeles, works with Diddy, works with Game, Kanye West, Pusha T, Nicki Minaj. He's doing well for himself. But at the time, he was an artist too. He was in my crew. He's white. So I'm like, yo, Raj, I need you to put on a suit, you know what I'm saying, and come get this check. So he put on a suit, he collects the check. I perform in front of 3,500 people and I break him off. You know what I'm saying? I would give him, you know what I mean? And that's how we did it. <laughs> Man, that's funny. You said he's white. It couldn't be no brother. That might be a little bit no too brother, obvious. Man. <laughs> I was like, yo, Raj, man, he's an Italian dude. He can't do his hair slick. How you doing? I'm Dennis Carrington, all slick. I break him off. We all eating. And that's what it is. <laughs> that's funny, man. That's funny. So I saw the video of you on Sway. What was that like being on Sway in the morning, man? Yeah, that was dope, man. That was that was such a, a milestone in my career because not only was I on Sway, but what you guys did not see was, so when you come up in there um, in Shade 4 or 5, you got to wait in the lounge area, right? So it's me and the two other artists that were on with me. You know what I'm saying? And I brought my man, um, Kari, who's a, an, ex an incredible artist. You should check him out, Kari, Kari Durgins. Um, he, he lived in New York at the time. So I hit him. I'm like, yo, I'm going to be in the, in the city. Come with me. We're going to Sway. So he's with me. We all chilling. I'm, you know, whatever. Sway comes out. When Sway comes out. Now, this is Sway, who's interviewed Barack Obama, Jay-Z and Nas, Tupac, Biggie, Drake, he, everybody. Sway is the cornerstone icon of hip hop media, right? Yep. Boom. He comes out and he's like, yo, Hope was good, fam. My brother, when I mean, I was shaking. Because <laughs> he knew me. Like, he was like, yo, Hope, fucking with you. Whoop -de -whoop, -whoop -whoop -whoop. That's fucking he didn't awesome. say none of that to the other two artists. Other two <laughs> artists are looking like, Oh snap! He he's like yo John Hope, 
And I'm like, yo, sweat. I'm shaking, bro. And yo, I'm I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna hold you, man. Like, yo, I went to the bathroom and cried, dog. Like, I was like, yo, dog, this dude knows who I am, bro. Wow. Like, he was like, yo, hope, man. Yo, I'm mm-hmm. rocking with some music. Whoop de whoop. Why did yo? And I started. I went to the bathroom and cried, man, because I was like, wow. Because I remember sleeping in New York City, trying to get on a reality show. Um, Missy Elliott had a reality show. This is way back. And I slept outside in the cold on a cardboard box, bro, trying to get on because I saw the line. So the the audition was like on a Saturday. My man, I was going to stay at my man's house in Harlem. We go by the spot just to see the location and we start seeing people lining up. And I'm like, bro, I, I can't, I can't. Cause it was like a cutoff. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, bro, I'm gonna get at you. Got my bags. And I'm out there on a cardboard box, man. Just like, you know what I'm saying? So I remember that grind and I got denied. You know what I'm saying? I remember that grind to come back and hear Sway say, yo, I know who you are, bruh. My eyes were sweating, dog. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's a a different type of validation, man. The fact that he saw who you were, that just goes to show also how in the weeds Sway is with his music, right? He knows good music, man. All the way from Rhode Island, we talk about it's the smallest state in the country. I ain't, for you guys listening, y'all might not know this. Rhode Island is the smallest state in the country. Country, man. Yeah. I remember when I got a when I got a scholarship to go to Rhode Island. I'm, you know, I I I never even heard of Rhode Island before. (laughs) I took a risk going out there, man. You could you could jog to the other side of the of the island, quote unquote. That's how small it is. (laughs) We got one Um, area code. (laughs) We got one area code. But John, you just define odds, man. Like you're really defying the odds, right? Yeah. And and that's just that's remarkable, bro. That's remarkable in your story. Um, what is it? What does it mean for you? Now, should, let me let me do this. So when you're reaching this success, you know, co-signed. I think one of your videos got co-signed by uh by Jim Jones, drawing sway in the morning, billboard going up literally in Providence uh, with your face on it, right? Yeah. It seemed like you almost pivoted to like being more than just a rapper. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you started to, you went back to get your, your master's in education. Right. And you kind of honed in on a different level. Yeah. Why do that? And why yeah. not continue that path and just fully dive into rapper? I'm an artist, you know, why go back to college? Why do those things? That's a great question, man. Um, uh, again, first it started with Nip, you know, um, just understanding um, how to be, that it's okay to be multi-passionate, you know what I'm saying? And multifaceted. Um, I wanted to, I didn't want to, I knew I did not want to be a struggling artist. All those successes that I shared, um, <laughs> my bank account didn't reflect that, right? Mm. So. It, there's a reality that's still looming, right? So I don't want to romanticize this journey. Um, you know, there's a reality that like, yo, you know, I wasn't really making money. You know what I'm saying? I'm spending money, you know? So I had to create an ecosystem of a world of John Hope. What does the world of John Hope look like? So I had to tap into my passions, right? What I knew as a business owner was, okay, I'm, you know, I would get maybe one, or two paid gigs every two months, right? But I knew, but I was getting paid to speak 
I was getting a lot of traction as an educator, as a motivational speaker, as just a community figure, right? From a financial standpoint. So it's like, I, how do we fuse these worlds? Let's not compartmentalize, like, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, I was like, I saw, I, I, I saw this world of hip hop education. You know, I went to the first, uh, I went to the, the first ever hip hop educational conference and I was blown away. It gave me the validation because I was I was really compartmentalizing these two worlds, you know, as a, as an educator and as a hip hop artist. What does that mean? Um. Well, it meant hip-hop like hip hop education. So hip hop education, as 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 an as an entity, as a culture, it's the use the utility of hip hop as a cultural tool to engage young people to validate and it's, it it really challenges the cultural norms of traditional academia right mm-hmm. so in academia we we're, we're so hung up on being credentialed right i got a degree and this that and the third but you can't tell me that nipsey hustle is not an educator that is not someone who can um impact in a way that someone with a degree can't can't you know what i'm saying um, it's about challenging the norms of how to learn. It's reimagining what success looks like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so that's where, and, and so we value young people's um, perspective. You know, in traditional academia, young people are seen as empty vessels. The teacher is like a top down, right? The teacher is the only person that has the knowledge. And it's like, nah, you know, young people can, I can learn. It's an exchange, right? And and hip hop education is predicated off that. And so I, when I saw that, that like there were people just like me that, you know, didn't present themselves. I'm not really a suit and tie guy, you know, but that doesn't mean I'm smart as hell, right? Get, you know, put me in any room, you mm. know, whoever. And I could, I could, I could give you, you know, uh, 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 into you know, I could be just as intellectual as someone coming from Harvard. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's kind of how I saw it, and so I wanted to build an infrastructure where I didn't have to rely solely on music. You know, now you know, you guys, how old are you? If you don't 23. mind me, twenty three, right? Twenty two, right? Yo, you guys are my brothers, right? We rock, right? Mm-hmm. I could probably, I could, if I, if I was, you know, I could be a dad, you get what I'm saying? Right. But mm-hmm. when we're talking, we're talking like peers, right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're not talking like you're talking to somebody that's like, I'm not talking down to you. Oh man, I come from the real hip hop and back in my day. And you know what I'm saying? <laughs> when whippersnappers and you know what I'm saying? I ain't coming. You know what I'm saying? It's not yeah. an elitist thing. Right. So that being next to you guys, allows me to be relevant too, right? Like, mm. like I don't have to, it's not like, oh man, today on Think Gold, we have old school artists and way back Wednesday, John Hope, like, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, yo, it's Hope, right? You know what I mean? So I wanted to make sure that I didn't have this resting on my past glory. And I want, and I knew that I was able to impact in more ways than one. And if you look at artists now, right? Like, they're operating off more than one thing. Hmm. So I was very much in line with what the trends are or what that what it looked like. Hmm, man, that's huge right there, man. Being more than just one thing. And, and like you said in the beginning, 
being able to exist in multiple spaces, right? So now we're going backwards. You planted that seed. It's like you almost knew that this was going to happen as soon as you put that John Hope in your name, man. Yo, for you real. Knew, you knew it was going to come to fruition. Thank you. Um, and like I said, like even just doing some some research on you, man, like acting career that you're trying to get into, the yeah. Hope and Hope Foundation, right? Yeah. Your LinkedIn yeah. profile, man, it says you're an uh, adjuncted professor, right? So you're literally teaching education. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's amazing. When you think about the ultimate version of yourself, John, you know, you at your highest level spiritually, physically and emotionally. Do you feel like you're there yet? I think I think that's a man. You yo, bro. I'm telling you, man. You asking some really good questions, man. <laughs> um, I believe that I am just walking in the door of alignment. You know, mm. I'm 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 very much aligned spiritually, mentally, um, physically, right. So now I, I'm I'm dealing with the um what comes with that right and what comes with that it's it's uh it's a little multifaceted right like i i love the peace that i'm that i'm existing in i'm no longer in survival mode right but the flip side of that is i'm uncomfortable in this space because i'm so used to the turbulence i'm so used to mm-hmm. the 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 you know, I'm like, wow, it's quiet in here. Like, wow, like I don't have like a lot to worry about. Like, you know what I'm saying? I no longer worry, but it's still fit. It's like shock. It's like um, mm-hmm. it's 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 like a shock to my body. You know what I'm saying? And so um, I'm 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 currently ex- experiencing the first iteration of what it means to be in thriving mode. Mm-hmm. No survival mode and it's a great place don't get me wrong but it's just being comfortable with you know maybe being lonely because i had to i had to set hard boundaries so Mm -hmm. some of my day ones ain't with me because they ain't you know i'm saying they ain't on the same type of time that i'm on you know what i'm saying um and so i have to you know be comfortable with myself um be comfortable with fatherhood um and then what is what does that look like musically it looks like this next album, right? Where how do I exist in a space that is very rich in telling struggle stories, but now I'm on the other side, right? You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So my mm-hmm. next album is talking about that other side without having to talk down to people, without having to judge people. Like I'm not here to judge, but I'm just gonna be like, yo, hey, yo, check this out. I'm on the other side, y'all. I'm gonna leave the door mm-hmm. open. I need more, we need more of us. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like hmm. that's kind of where I'm at. And that and, and that is something that I'm trying to kind of ration, you know what I'm saying? Hmm. And, and mm-hmm. understand for myself, but ultimately for others. Because this is what I want to normalize. I don't want to hmm. be the exception of the rule. I don't want to be the token black dude that's in this space. Like I want the whole hood. I want if it up to me. The whole Arbor Glen is pulling up, like you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Pookie, all of them, like you know what I'm saying. But you know, like Nip says, everybody can't go, and that's what I'm mm-hmm. dealing with. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, man. And now I hear. Go ahead, Mo. Uh, as you change as an artist, and you you know you evolve as a person. How does your demographic, you know, your fans, who you're talking to, who you're speaking, how does that change? 
And how does that change your thought process as an artist? All right, consciously, I'm going to put out this record compared to that one because of the story that it tells or, you know, the, say, the experience that I had, you know what I mean, that I now speak on this record is, you know, life altering and could save somebody maybe that is 21 years old and has been in and out of, you know, foster care, in and out of jail, you know, kicked out of school. And that could save, you know what I mean, his his path, his life. You know, how do you make that conscious decision to, you know, change your music with the with the demographic? So it's funny, man, because like, you know, so I'm going to I'm going to answer that question a little twofold. First, we're going to go from a, just an analytic standpoint. You know, mm-hmm. I have no qualms. I'm 41 years old. Right. You know what I'm saying? But the the the, the John Hope listener consumer is actually mm-hmm. um, 25. Right, bro. That, hold up, okay. you do not look forty-one at all. Oh yeah, 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 dog. Bro, bro, you yeah, look like, bro, you look like forty-one at all, bro. Damn, man, that's that, that's that Nipsey Hustle diet too. He was on that Doctor Sebi. <laughs> Doctor Sebi, he was teaching health. He was yeah. teaching health. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, oh, you know what I'm God. saying. So, so I'm well aware that my 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 audience though is actually you guys, right? It's it's actually the college young professional thinking like person, you know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. so from an analytic standpoint, sheer numbers, that's who my demo is. Um, it's 25 to, to, to 34, 25 to 34. So my, my, we're talking like my almost 10 to 20 years younger than me. I don't know why, I don't know what it is, but it's just, just mm-hmm. what, it is, right. So what, what do I do with that information is, Live is tapping into my experience growing up, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But also hearing what these young people got to say. Like, because, you know, I'm a descriptive writer, right? Like, I, right, what are you experiencing? You know what I'm saying? And there are themes within my album, you know, albums that no matter what age you are, it's going to connect. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? This, I, you know, when I say THS, bro. You know what I'm saying? It's not, you know, mm-hmm. THS for the 30 and over. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's THS for everybody. You know, there's people that come up, yo, I, yo, you on that hope shit, man. That hope shit. You know what I'm saying? Young kids, man. They, I'll be hosting a separate event. Hosting, not rapping. Host someone come up, THS, yo, that hope shit. You know what I'm saying? And it's a little kid. It's a kid. You know what I'm saying? So the theme yeah. of hope in a way that you want to improve your quality of life is ageless. As long Mm -hmm. as I know that, my pen is forever. Like, the ink will never dry. You know what I'm saying? It's not like I'm relying on a dance or a a challenge or, like, you know what I'm saying? My theme is timeless. You know what I'm saying? So... Mm -hmm. Would that be the the greatest advice you would give to, like, an artist coming up now? Is to, like, be almost, try to be timeless and, like, not center around just that hit song, that that hit name. Like, what would be your piece of advice for someone coming up right now? Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. I think you, you you know it's a great time to be the most authentic version of yourself. People want to gravitate towards the story. It's been two years since I released an album, you know, but people gravitate to me. The, 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 you know what I'm saying? Because of my realness, my authentic, my honesty, right? Which allows for me to use the medium of music 
of being a multimedia personality, you know, being an actor, you know what I'm saying? But all of those things come from a place of being authentic. And when you're authentic, you, you really, you're timeless without trying, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, because people can, you just got introduced to Road Less Travel as 10 years ago. 12 years ago, right? You know what I'm saying? Because it came from an authentic place. That was me, you know what I'm saying? All the way. Um, and so what I would say is use social media to your best advantage. You know, your TikToks, your, 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 your Instagram, your Twitter and stuff like that. Um, but, but be authentic with it. You know, for me, when you talk about John Hope, it's hip hop, it's fatherhood, it's motivation, it's inspiration a little bit of education, you know what I'm saying? And you get that through all, through all the mediums. You know what I'm saying? That's the whole, that's the hope experience, you know what I'm saying? Um mm -hmm. and and so you have to be authentic. People can see through the bullshit, man. So when you start doing like, you know, Takashi 69 type, you know what I'm saying? Like like we see through the bullshit, you know what I mean? And so you have to be authentic and tell your story because there's no one like you. That's the beauty of this thing. There's no one like Ivory. There's no one like Mo. No one. Think about like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's nobody. You can't, you know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. I'm talking in the midst of AI, right? You know, everything artificial intelligence, all that. There's still nobody like me. That's why I'm not really worried. Mm. Saying mm -hmm. you, you could you could duplicate it, you could try, but I got the sauce. Yeah. So if I lean into that sauce, man, it's timeless, bro. It's time. That's great advice. I feel like that's not even advice just to artists, but that's yeah. all across yeah. the board, man. That's timeless advice yeah. right there. Um, yes. But now we're coming to the end of the podcast here, and we wanted to kind of do like a little twist here, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I end with a section called the deep end, but we're going to start off with another section, right? Yeah. I'm going to name three words, right? Yeah. And if you could just put them together in bars, right? Or Put together, you know, a little, little free, quick, a little on the spot, right? a little on the spot. I, said, okay. I was telling Mo, I said, man, like, I don't want to make it too challenging for him. I was like, no, do it, do it. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't even know. Like, is it one bar, two bar? Like, I said, I don't even know what a bar is. And then Mo goes, a bar is just like one bar. And I said, thank you, brother. Appreciate you telling me that. Thank you. <laughs> no, that's it. That's what it is. Shout out to Mo. <laughs> that's my bro. All right, ready. Three I was like, words right here. Examples of one bar. Like, yeah. All right, go ahead. What's up? All right. Think gold. Freedom. Purpose. Well, you said three words. I I I got four. You said think. So let me let me do three. I'll do I'll do three. Gold, freedom, and purpose. Okay. Goal, freedom, and purpose. Um, man, yeah, goal, freedom, and purpose. Um, what's the, oh man, the dialogue, the dialogue we share is never worthless, it's within purpose. We go deeper than the surface. I give you the windows to my soul. The freedom comes when I show you that we think in gold. Mm. <laughs> there we go, man. Point blank. Point blank. Point blank. Point blank. blank. <laughs> Point blank. That's, that's what I'm going to give you. 
All right, yeah. now this right, we got to put the challenge out there for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Give you a little challenge. <laughs> I like it. All right, now this section is called a deep end right here. All right, John. Yeah. Fill in the fill in the blanks. All right. Mm-hmm. I am nothing without. I am nothing without. Um, I'm nothing without hope. Mm. Nothing without hope. You know, it's a mindset. You know, that's what got me through everything. Like the mindset. You, I, I, I have a, I have a belief first, see, see later mentality. So a lot of these things, a lot of these circumstances, I didn't really see the reference. Like I didn't see the representation. I didn't see the resources, but I believed I could get up out of there. So without hope, man, you don't. I'm not sitting here. Like you know what I'm saying. Mm. Like. Because hope is like a belief despite, you know, so, yeah. feel that. I feel that. The world needs. Empathy. Hmm. World needs empathy, man. If, if, if we could just, man, just try to understand each other and understand um, perspective outside of ourselves, I think we'll you know, will will a lot of the shit that we're currently experiencing will be reduced. <clears throat> and, um, my biggest joy is oh my daughter. Mm. My daughter Hope, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Lil Hope. Yeah. Our greatest battle is with ourselves. Mm. That's like every person that said the same thing. Every person, man. We tell our own stories, man. Sometimes we get it in our own heads, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Hmm. John, this was a blessing, man. This was an amazing on, episode. Man. This was this was phenomenal, yeah. man. This is great. Come this on, is something man. I'm going to have to listen back on about 10 times just to pull oh, nuggets from, man. man. I can't this wait, awesome. bro. I rock awesome. with you, man. I mean, this, hey, is awesome. this is not going to be the last time we're going to meet, man. This you know, I can't wait till we link in person. Mo. You already know, bro. You know what I'm saying? We tapped in, man. I, I, I really appreciate the, the 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 fellowship, man. I really appreciate us chopping it up. Of course, John. Where can people reach you? Um, you know, where's the best place to connect with you via social media? Yeah, yeah. Everything John Hope PVD, man. You know, simple as that. You know the website, johnhopepvd.com. Um, you know, if you want to learn more about Hope Scholars Initiative, um, it's hsihiphop.org or Hope Scholars on Instagram. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, everything John Hope PVD, man. I promise I'll be gone, don't know when I'll be back Come on, my car, throw away the review So much of my life I wanna stay through If you feel me, you know that I feel you Foot on the gas, I'ma ride down the road, let's travel I'ma ride down the road, let's travel Let's ride, everybody have Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.